Monday. 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 Open wide, dev fans. Get ready to stuff your face with JavaScript, CSS, Node modules, barbecue tips, Git workflows, breakdancing, soft skills, web development, the hastiest, the craziest, the tastiest web development treats. Coming in hot, here is Wes, Barracuda, Boss, and Scott, El Toro Loco, Tolinsky. Welcome to Syntax. In this Monday Hasty Treat, we're going to be talking all about code, quality tooling, how to get your code uh, being extra nice via tooling. These are the kind of things that are really going to do all of the heavy lifting for you or make you aware of some bugs. It's going to totally eliminate any of those memes that it's like, you know, find and seek champion the semicolon because these uh, <laughs> these toolings are going to fix all of you. So my name is Scott Talinsky and with me as always is Wes Boss. I'm ready for some high quality code today. High quality code that's coming at you in this hasty treat. This hasty treat is actually sponsored by a company that is going to really help you have high quality code, which is Sentry. Now, Sentry is one of these tools that basically what it does is it, well, you you put it into your code base and it keeps track of your errors and exceptions and lets you know how they happened. It tells you a lot of information such as the operating system and maybe what versions of things they're using and what browser and allows you to really gain some key insight into what's going on in your application. One of the coolest things about Sentry is that it provides some really awesome ways to be notified when something is going wrong. Now, you, everyone has their own workflows, right? So I personally, I work best in different ways. And if Sentry can ping a Slack channel and say, hey, uh, there's this thing going on, then my whole team can see it in, in one little fell swoop. And we can even chat about it directly in Slack. In addition to notifying any of your chat applications or anything like that, you can also get notifications via email, SMS, and you can just really integrate with any of the platforms that you're used to using so that you can be notified in a way that works for you and your team. Now, if you want to try Sentry, which I highly recommend you do, especially if you want some high quality code, you want to head on over to Sentry.io and sign up using the coupon code TASTYTREAT, all one word, all lowercase, and you get two months for free. Trust me, you're going to want to try it out because it's one of those things that the proof is in the pudding, as they do say. I'm a huge fan myself. So, okay, we have Sentry to help us get some quality code. What are some ways that we can dive in and set up some tooling in our application to get some quality code as well? Yeah, so we're going to run through some tools as you as a web developer can use to get high quality code. The first one is going to be a linter. Second one will be uh, something called prettier. Third thing is going to be just VS Code in general or your editor, you could say. And then we've got some some minor things here on TypeScript and testing in something like Jest. So probably the two biggest ones of, of code quality is using ESLint and prettier. Let's kick it off with uh, ESLint or or linters in general. Um, the idea behind a linter is that you, whenever you hit save or whenever you commit your code, you run your code through a linter and the linter is going to mostly analyze your code for potential errors that might happen. Now, ESLint, which is the, the most popular linter, before before that we had uh, JS Hint, which was a pretty popular. There was JS Lint initially, which I think was made by Doug Crockford, and then we had JS Hint, and now we have ESLint, which 
which which sort of came around when we started developing an ES6 and we got those. So a linter will take a look at your code and tell you where potential problems happen in your code. Now, there are some stylistic things in ESLint that it can do. It can tell you if you forgot a semicolon. Um, it can do like minor things like that. But the way that it's sort of going right now is that you should only use a linter for actual problems that will develop inside of your code. Things like scoping issues, things like uh, double variable declarations, things like uh, what are some of the other accessibility issues are, are a huge one that I use my own one. What, what are some of the other things that ESLint will do for you? Yeah, I mean, it will connect to a lot of the platforms that you use. So if you have plugins, you can say, well, this is a React specific Lint config. And so more than just general JavaScript or whatever you're working with, it's going to potentially make you aware of best practices within those libraries. And obviously these best practices can be tweaked to your liking. Uh, I think most people that I know have their own set of ES Lint rules, turning some things off here and there when maybe some things are a little not necessary in their code base. Uh, but really, it allows you to connect to whatever type of application you're writing in addition to plugins via like React or whatever. There's also a handful of presets. I use an augmented version of the Airbnb presets myself, which is just sort of their team's defaults for ESLint. And again, it's tweaked because there's definitely some rules that I turn off a little bit. Yeah, I think the important thing to notice here is that ESLint is is mostly preferences. Um, there are things like that that it will actually just break your code and it will let you know that. But a lot of it is like things like should you have a dangling comma um, on your object? So that's a question for you. Do you do the comma dangle, Scott? I do do a comma dangle. A dangle I do as comma. well. So yeah. it loves a dangling comma. So <laughs> what that is is when you have an object and you have your properties and values, you always put a comma dangle at the end of the line. And that's because when you go to add another property in the future, what you used to have to do is you had to add a comma to the line before it and add your new line. And that screwed up your your git blames um, in the future. Um, I think it was IE9 was the last browser that couldn't do a comma dangle. Um, and now with transpilers, it's not anything you ever have to worry about. Things like putting function names. So if you have an anonymous callback function, you just write the word function or you have an arrow function. Should you name those or not for better stack traces? So the way that I use mine is that I use Airbnb by default. And then over probably over the last two or three years, I've just been tweaking my own and turning things off because Airbnb is incredibly strict with what they do. Mm -hmm. And it's a little bit torturous when you just want to get things done and it's sort of always falling in your way. So I recommend just taking something that's already out there, the default one that comes with ESLIN or the Airbnb one if you're writing some React code um, and then just turning things off. I'm constantly turning things off because I say, I get that, but... I'm never actually running into issues with that. And I feel like if I were to write a runaround with my code um, just to make you happy, it's it's unnecessary. Yeah, absolutely. And anytime there's any accessibility things, I make sure to not turn those off because sometimes those can pop up and you'll be like, oh, I don't have time for this right now. But you do have time for that right now. And uh, you you need to be made aware of that kind of stuff. So I, I definitely I turn off the ones I turn off are pretty inconsequential, like no use of Radix. Radix? Radix? Yeah. Yeah. I turn that one off. I turn off no console because I use console logs. I use that. I mean, it's always annoying when you put in a console log and then it's red underline. And there's only a handful yeah. of these that are like truly, truly necessary that I turn off. So you could have like a separate uh, linter rule for when you commit code 
and when you develop code mm-hmm. and then before you commit it, it'll, it'll say, Hey, you forgot a console log in there, but it's just annoying that it, your, your ESLint break, breaks every time you want to console log something. It seems a little <coughs> bit unnecessary, but other things like, um, unreachable code. So if you have a return statement and then you have code underneath that many times I've accidentally done a return yep. inside of like a, or you you goof up an if statement and you have a return inside of that. And then it tells you there's unreachable code underneath there either delete it or you you have some sort of error in your your earlier return because this code will never in any circumstance ever run. So um, I feel like ESLint has made me uh, as like as like salty as you get with it. Sometimes I remember the first time I ever turned it on. I was like, who lives this way? Because it's it's <laughs> almost everything I do is wrong. But after maybe a couple of weeks, especially reading into the rules, like I always go down a rabbit hole of why is this underlined? Oh, that's interesting. Let me go read into like the GitHub issue and see why do people actually believe this or why do people believe that this is not a good way to write code? And I think it just just makes you a better developer all around. Right. And you can make those judgments yourself, whether or not that is something that is truly necessary. One of the things I really love is like the no unused variables, because sometimes you're writing code and then in a refactor, it makes it really easy to see what you're using, what you're not using, uh, maybe what you intended on using and you're not using. And maybe you can... Uh, you can flip that around. I also use it to enforce prop types in React because I'm not using TypeScript in my project. So having strict prop types and default props on every component is pretty important to me, at least to uh, prevent unexpected breakings of things. So do you want to get yeah. into the uh, formatting? I got one more thing to add to it. All right, let's do it. One last thing I want to say is that all of these ESLint rules, you can turn them off which is zero, you can turn them to warning and, and you can turn them to error. So you can, some of these that is like console log, you could just turn to a warning and it'll just be yellow. And you say, yeah, I know that that shouldn't be left in there, but I'm using it right now. Another kind of neat thing is like the no um, unused variables. One thing that I do in Express is that every single Express function that I write, you get the request, the response, the error and your next function. And that's the signature that I write for all of my express. And whether or not I use the next or the error or anything in there is I always want to have it. And mm. what was happening with me is it would be like you didn't use your error error variable. So I, I would delete it from the signature of the function and then I would like need that variable and then I have to go back and add it. So you can write these these like little regexes called args ignore pattern. And what that will do is to say, like, tell me not to have unused variables in that my function passes me, but ignore request response next and error because those are always the ones that I like to be using. Word. Interesting. Yeah. I don't, I don't turn that one off a whole lot because I, I don't do that like you do, but it's interesting. I know that's definitely like a thing that a lot of people do have those things in there. Cool. So, uh, in addition to all of that awesome stuff, we also have prettier, which can work in coordination with ESLint. I actually use the prettier extending. I, I extend my ESLint config via prettier and mm-hmm. I have prettier forward slash prettier as an error in my ESLint rules, in addition to having prettier installed for my project. Now, I actually don't think I tweak prettier at all. I'm not sure I do, uh, but prettier, uh, before we get into it, is really just a formatter. So in a lot of other languages, like maybe like Python, your code has to be formatted a certain way, right, for it to work. In JavaScript, 
yeah, you can write your code in all sorts of different ways. And uh, it's not always great for teams or maybe people working on a file and then all of a sudden you open it up and it's some foreign sort of formatting. So what Prettier does is it sort of standardizes the formatting. And one of the really great things that I love about Prettier is configuring it to reformat on save. So I typically don't even concern myself with formatting too much when I'm typing. I don't do proper indentations and I don't worry about the correct type of No, uh, I'm a slob now. Button. It's the best. Total slob. In fact, I'm such a slob <laughs> that when I'm not using Prettier and I save it and it doesn't update it for me, I get really frustrated because then I have to go and fix things. But even like things like adjusting the tabbing of a component, how far out it is, right? You make one change and then you got to select, you got to retab it and everything like that. And now with Prettier, you can just hit save and watch it all magically fall into line. So I love Prettier and I pretty much don't touch a project unless I'm using Prettier nowadays because not only does it like make my code more standardized, easier to read, but I know that across teams, I'm going to be happier with the code that my team's writing. I'm going to be happier reading it. It makes more sense to have that in my workflow and just have something totally standardized rather than write it the way you want. And it's way easier to enforce when it's an automatic thing than when it's like up to the user's discretion. Hey, could you follow all of these code formatting rules and memorize them and then don't ever mess them up, right? Where yeah. Prettier just is it's a robot. Let the robot do it for you. It's crazy how much we used to fuss over coding style and there would be these huge coding documents and we use this many tab pieces, tabs or spaces or single quotes or double quotes. And now we take that all out of it. And it's pretty is amazing for beginners because it takes all the like part of my hugest feedback when I was beginning teaching HTML and CSS is this is messy. You should clean it up a little. And now it's just like doesn't matter at all, because as soon as you hit save, it will indent it for you um, and look a lot nicer. Yeah, it also gives you visibility into like well-formatted code. Like when you're used to reading well-formatted code, you're going to be way more strict about requiring well-formatted code. Because if you get used to looking at reading and writing sloppy code, then other people are going to be super annoyed with you. And you're just not going to set yourself up for success. Where with this, it's automatic and you get used to you looking at it as like, this is what it should look like. There's three things that I change on Prettier myself. Prettier doesn't have a whole lot of options because it's it's opinionated by default. But with all things, people say, can we just have a setting to do X, Y and Z? So the three that I use is first, I turn trailing comma to what's called ES5. And uh, just like we talked about the trailing comma, if you don't add a trailing comma to your objects and you save it, this ES5 will automatically add one. You also have the option to set it to all which will also add a trailing comment comma in your your function arguments. So if your function has two arguments, you have two commas and one after the last argument, which seems a bit odd. Mm -hmm. But that as of ES6, that's allowed. I don't use it myself, though. Um, the other thing is I use single quotes instead of double quotes, although I've been thrown around the idea of just going all in on back ticks. Yeah, I, I think that I might go. I like how Gatsby sets that up for you. Yeah, yeah, I, that's that's where I got. I was looking at a lot of the Gatsby examples. I was like, it does make a lot of sense to just use back text for strings because then you don't have to worry about single or double quotes or escaping things or switching it to back text when you want to interpolate something. So I, I think I will probably do that at some point this year. And then the other one is I, I change my print width to 100 characters because I have 80 characters wide and then it wraps. 
I'm on a huge screen. I don't work with other teams with people on different things. So I find that I can easily have two panes of code open at once and 100 characters is, is still enough uh, for me to see everything. Nice. So, I mean, we've never discussed our, our prettier RC files before. And uh, let me go down the line of my prettier RC. Single quote is equal to true. Oh, you turned it on. Good. Trailing comma is equal to ES5. <laughs> uh, I don't have the the width though so we're, we're dead on in, in both of those so it's funny isn't we that hilarious the same but we've never compared. talked about it together and our our settings are almost exactly the same it's hilarious that is really funny oh man that's that's good the way that i set up my prettier is through eslint i think scott does that as well because eslint has this dash dash fix option which it will actually fix a couple things like 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 if you forget a semicolon eslint will add that in so it has the ability to run fix against your code and then you can extend it by just putting prettier in that so i have it all in one i don't use prettier via es vs code and the reason behind that is because I don't want my editor to be tied to how the formatting should go, because if I wanted to hook into a Git hook like before you before you push, there's some people that only use prettier in ESLint before they commit. So they they feel like they can figure it all out themselves, which I don't understand. Like just have it on save every single time, because then then you don't have to worry about doing indentation and, and whatnot. It just does it for you. But if you wanted to do it on a Git hook, if you wanted to use another editor for whatever reason, if you wanted to throw this up on a server that you're using Vim on, all of that stuff will work. No problem with this. It's not tied to your specific VS Code or Sublime or whatever. So I like this way. It's nice. It's one nice clean package. I also use a HTML plugin for ESLint, which will, anytime you have an HTML page with a script tag, it will also format the contents of that script tag, which I find very helpful for anytime I'm doing a quick little demo, specifically in my, specifically in my uh, CSS grid course, because Prettier, we should say this, Prettier will do not just JavaScript, Prettier will do CSS, Prettier will do GraphQL. Um, there's a prettier PHP plugin, which is currently being worked on. I tried it. Uh, like I threw like a gnarly six-year-old functions.php WordPress <laughs> file at it, and it didn't break it, which was amazing because I had tried out a whole bunch of PHP linters, and they all broke my code. I threw it through prettier PHP, and nothing broke. It was a little funky at spots, which is why it's still being in development. Like I'm so excited to see that prettier is being extended to all of these different languages because... I think pretty soon we'll be able to just save your save your files in whatever language and not have to worry about formatting and whatnot. Yeah, I, I think that's the key point. It probably didn't break your code because uh, Prettier is really just formatting, right? It's like not uh, correcting errors necessarily. It's it's just fixing formatting. And I really love how sometimes you miss like an indent or maybe you miss like a closing element or something and. Prettier and ESLint in combination are going to let you know pretty quickly exactly where that stuff is. So it makes it just so genuinely easy to solve and find bugs when you just look at your code that I can't imagine writing without ESLint and Prettier in combination. Next part up, we want to talk a little bit about uh, how to use this. You mentioned that you just use it again in a project basis rather than in your editor, but the editor has a big poor, uh, a big role to play in this as well. Yeah. Um, because we both use VS Code. And one of the things that I've always really loved about VS Code, it was maybe the thing that sold me on VS Code was just how easy linting and prettier uh, was to get set up. Uh, you really just don't have to do anything. The editor really is set up 
from the beginning to use uh, linting and systems like that so mm-hmm. that you feel confident when you start going. I remember just how much of a pain it was occasionally to get sublime text working with a, a linter. There would be some error going on the back in the background. You had to check some logs. You had to install a bunch of stuff. And uh, if it didn't work, you didn't necessarily know why it didn't work. Now, in VS Code, you get a little exclamation point if something's not configured correctly. It lets you know exactly what's going on. But for the most part, I've had nothing but awesome experiences using VS Code with these things. Besides getting a little red underline under each item, right? Mm-hmm. It feels like a spelling error in a Microsoft Word document. You can see it a mile away. You get the little squirrely red underline. It lets you know there's an error. When you hover over it, lets you know what the problem is uh but you you actually i know you use a a different way to jump from error to error frequently right i actually don't use the i've used it in the past like the vs code jump from error to error and 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 fix them but generally just as i'm coding i'll see the either the yellow which is a a warning or the the red which is an error underline and i'll just go ahead and fix it i'll hover over top of it and see which rule i'm breaking and then i'll go do a little bit of research if I'm not sure why I'm breaking that rule, even ha- of having this set up for probably three years, I still regularly run into new things that I've never uh, I've never accidentally ri- written myself. Yeah. So it's like I still use all the VS Code stuff, but I don't use any of the tools that allow me to, to cycle through all of it. I have it set up to save on fix. There's a VS Code setting that you can do to run the fix on save. And that way it will every time you save it, it will just re indent your code and, and, and check for any errors. And then the other question I get all the time is, do you have a local config or a global config on your computer? I have a local config. I don't have any global config set up, but it probably would make sense to do that. Although I do like to keep things with the project just so anybody who's using it can also include that stuff. The the VS code folder, I believe it is, yeah. right? Yeah, so I, I do primarily use a, a local one for a lot of things, but that's really just the stuff that is... I want my other people in my code base to also be saving on uh, on or pre- formatting on save and stuff like that. I don't save my personal like font sizes, those kind of things, maybe just project specific things. But I do I do have a global. Well, I did say I didn't have a global. I have a global. <laughs> I was just thinking it was like not a global. I don't know. I never created anything. It's just the default VS Code. Yeah, the default settings, setup, whatever. Yeah. I have a global ESLint file that has all of my settings in it. And that's great because anytime I want to whip up a quick project or do a little demo, it immediately just starts working. Um, And then I don't have to set it up. Uh, And then anytime I have a project that is more long term, I will set a local ESLint in there. Um, What I'm considering doing is just making my own, like you can publish your own ESLint to NPM and then you can just set your ESLint to extend like the West boss coding style. Oh, that um, makes so much sense. Yeah. I've been considering doing that just for my tutorials as well as just for my own sake. And, and that way, anytime I like make, I change my mind as to line width or something like that, I can just publish a new version of my, my settings. Cause that's all Airbnb is ESLint extends Airbnb. And then they have a huge slew of rules. So I could just make my own list of rules that extend Airbnb and then publish that up to, to NPM. Nice. The only reason I haven't done that is like, I don't really want to be, I have my dot files online, but like, I don't 
like these aren't the dot files for everybody. Some people just copy paste my own my dot files and then they send me these big long emails. They're offended at a certain choice that I've made. And I'm just like, this is my own personal like, please don't take these as gospel. This is just what works for me. Like, it's not like Airbnb where they have these very opinionated. It's just what works for me. Yeah. Hey, uh, so does your v- version of VS Code do this? This is one of the things I think popped up recently in VS Code. I'm not sure if this is an extension. I'm pretty sure it's not. If you go to your ESLint RC file, do you get little descriptions next to each one of your rules? Ooh, let me see. And maybe it's an extension I added. I'm going to confirm this. Nope, my, mine are showed up as well. That So that is... um. This has been in VS Code for a while. It works with package JSON and stuff like that, where they have these like little definitions for config files. So package JSON, Babel RC, ESLint RC, and they know of all it's like it's kind of like typed types for config files and they, they know what all the potential things are. Like if you open up a package JSON and hover over some of the predefined like author and, and license, they'll they'll show you that as well. Nice. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I love this because, I mean, you get a glance at what the rule actually is doing and you can jump to the documentation immediately from there. And, and that's something that you often do if you're trying to figure out if you need this rule or not. Cool. So this episode is getting a little hasty. So what we're going to be doing is we're going to be covering some more tools in the next hasty treat and which is going to improve the quality of your code. We're going to be talking about types in JavaScript via TypeScript flow or reason, something like that. And then we're also going to be talking about testing and maybe we're going to be talking a little bit about exception and error tracking tools as well. Yes, we've uh, we've got some friends in that space we could talk about. Yeah, (laughs) yes, we do. Awesome. So hopefully you enjoyed a few things here or there. If you want to find my dot files, it's at github.com forward slash Westboss forward slash D-O-T-F-I-L-E-S. Wow. That has all the VS Code extensions that I use, all of my hyperterm settings, all of my ESLint rules. Um, they're all listed in there. I should make one of those. People ask me to make one all the time. I should bite the bullet and do it. Yeah, people ask me all the time, too, and I finally publish them up and uh, I don't have any like syncing setup. I sim- I just like every time I change my ESLint, I'll just copy paste it up to GitHub. Yeah. And I, f- I find that works well. Some people have like a syncing setup. So if they have multiple machines, they can sync them between machines. But I don't have multiple machines, so I don't need to worry about that. Yeah. Well, with how much I've been changing machines lately, maybe it should <laughs> yeah. be an option for me. <laughs> Absolutely. Cool. Anything else for today? I got nothing. All right. Thanks for tuning in. We will catch you on Wednesday. Peace. Peace. Head on over to syntax.fm for a full archive of all of our shows. And don't forget to subscribe in your podcast player or drop a review if you like this show. 